Margaret, wrap to the part of the story um, uh, after you finished at Asadhavi, you returned to Australia for a number of years, worked in administration and, and did some other things. Um, and finally you decided that you wanted to return to the islands. What was going through your mind? I didn't decide at all. My provincial decided they wanted me to go to Bishop Apal Catholic School or who already had early childhood and primary and we needed to start the secondary school. So um, that's why I went back in January 1994 and I stayed there for 10 years and we got the school up to um, Form 5 and now the school is Form 6 heading for Form 7. Uh, Bishop Apal is the biggest school, the most populated school in Solomon Islands because of the three divisions. Very, very well run school. In the last few years, one of my young teachers, he was principal of the school, that means in charge of the three divisions, and he introduced once a month that all the staff of the school came together for a meeting. And I just really take my hat off to him for that because the principals before him um, hadn't done that and it's making the school more united. He finished up just a few months ago and one of my other younger teachers who absolutely loves the school, he is now principal of the school and many of the teachers who were there with me as junior teachers are now the seniors on the staff there. It was a day school. Um, when they knew I was coming for the Silver Jubilee, they went and got money themselves to build a two-storey staff um, room, library, uh, a big room where they have volunteers from Australia where they can sleep and, and everything like that. They've got showers and, to and toilets in, the in that building. They are doing tremendous work there. The school is one of the top schools in Solomon Islands. I was known as the Iron Lady in Asatavi. I was known affectionately by the senior boys in um, uh, in the Solomon Islands as the Dragon Lady. So uh, I was strict, but I loved the students, and many of them still love me. Ah, that, that's that's great, Margaret. Now, um, when you arrived there, Bishop Appel School was how big? Well, it just had early childhood and primary, which were being very well run. I was told before I left Australia that all the teachers' houses and all the buildings for the classrooms would be up. There wasn't even a stick in the soil to even mark where any of these things were going. So we used to start school at 12.30 in the afternoon when the junior primary went home. They were using our desk. The poor little students, their legs used to dangle on these big desks, but they thought it was marvellous sitting on those desks. So we'd finish school about 5.30, quarter to six each day for the first year. Then the second year, they put up uh, little partitions in the hall and it didn't even have a concrete floor on it. So we used to have our classes there and up in the, we call it the attic of the hall with... Um, an iron roof on it and the heat coming down on us. So the first years were tough until we started to get some buildings. And it wasn't until the end of my 10th year there that we had all the classrooms for the students. So mm. it was a, a real pioneering effort on the half of many of us to get that school up and running. Mm, great. And you were, 
you were leading the the secondary school part of the college at that time. Yes, after the first three years, the principal was sort of in charge then, but then he passed it over to me when we uh, in the third or the fourth year, and um, I was in charge, and he was just. He was in charge of the three sections of the school, early childhood, primary and secondary. He was a Solomon Islander. Right. Now, Bishop Mopal is actually in the the, the, uh, the capital, Honiara, is that Yes, correct? it is, yes. It's up on a hill. Um, I lived at Roe Bay. It would take me about 12 minutes to walk to school. They called me the road runner. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, it was good exercise and lovely to get up there. Sometimes John Rowan would stop because his wife was in charge of early childhood and pick me up halfway up the hill. So unlike Asatavi, it was a day school. So almost all of the students lived close enough to, to walk to school. Is that correct? Yes, some of them had to come by bus, but a lot of them stay with one talk, you know, sort yeah. of relatives or people from their villages that have moved there. And... That wasn't often easy because the kids didn't have a bedroom. They probably slept on the couch or on the floor in the lounge room. So how they did their homework and kept their clothes clean and that, mm. they're just amazing people. So yeah. they're wonderful. Okay. All right. And um, Margaret, you were there during the Solomon Island tensions? Oh, definitely. We used to go to 6.30 Mass. So we're going along the road driving to Mass and there was this vehicle and there were people dressed up in army uniform with guns and I went to pass them on the right and the arm came out and telling me not to pass and I thought well when are we going to get to mass about five minutes later they gave me the signal I could pass them which I did we came out from mass came down to the main road and they were standing there with their guns and they told us to go the back road so we went up around the back road came down to the main road again they asked us you know what are we doing they said well go home and stay home don't leave your house mm. today and so that was the beginning of the coup and so there wasn't school for a long time and then i said to the principal we've got to get the students back to school he wasn't too keen but he took my um, suggestion and we got the students back, but we only got back, if we got back half of our students, we were lucky, and we got students from other schools which did not have the discipline that we had. So it was hard going with these students that weren't used to strict mm. discipline that we had at Asatavi. And uh, we even got pornography into the school, which I tried, but no one would say who was bringing that into the mm. school, but they knew I was cross and spitting betel nut on the back wall of the senior boys thing. It just went down because of that. But one day, in came seven, I think there were seven men with rifles and um, dressed in army gear. And uh, one of the teachers, Coleman, who is still there, he was a young teacher then, he's an older teacher, well and truly an older teacher now. And his face was ashen. His black face was ashen. He said, sister, will you go out? I said, sure. So I went out and I said to them, what are you doing here? They said, we're looking for so-and-so. I said, so-and-so is not here. This is private property and I'd ask you to leave. And I said to them one by one, what is your name? And each one of them said, no name, no name, no name. So I said, would all you know names please leave the school and they went out well the staff and the children went, I said go back to your classrooms you know they were looking at the classrooms and hanging over banisters just go back to your classroom so that was terrifying for them mm. 
But those sort of things don't worry me. I can cope with that sort of thing. <laughs> you um, were never, apart from <coughs> that incursion into the school, were there any times at all where you didn't feel safe because of this crisis going on? No, no, I felt fine about it. Um, they said on the radio that all the people who had the right to go out, they had a great big ship in there to take them all out, and no one got in touch with any of us Australian sisters. Anyway, that night we'd finished our tea and the phone rang and uh, Sister Anne a answered the phone and the fellow said something about he was the head them something on the ship and he wanted to know why the Mara's missionary sisters weren't on it. She said, I'll put you on to Margaret. So I came on and I think Anne realised when she was passing it over, it was John Rowan and he was pretending. And <laughs> uh, But I went down to the Australian High Commission and I said to them, why weren't we informed? That mm. I said, it's not that we wanted to go out, but we are single women and you didn't do anything mm. about our safety in the Solomon Islands. They apologised and they were just changing our names from written into computers. So they had me down with some address in Perth, which I have mm. never lived in Perth, and uh, only the last sister had come in, Vicky Wilson, was the only one they had the correct address for. Mm. So that got straightened out. But no, I wasn't afraid. I'd go past the... Um, police headquarters, which was taken over by the militants, and they'd sing out, good morning, sister. I'd say, morning, meaning M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So how many sisters were there with you during those years? In the, uh, we were, in Honiara, we had two communities, so we were about five or six sisters mm -hmm. there, there during that time, yeah. yes. Oh, good. But we had sisters in other parts of the Solomons. Sure, yeah. Okay. And um, were there any connections with the Maris Brothers School out at Teneru during that time? Yeah, when we were there, we'd go out to their marvellous um, nights that they would put on their cultural nights. And, uh, you know, we just thoroughly enjoyed that. And uh, if I remember rightly, we did have some debating between the two schools and... Uh, yeah, we'd go to the festivities that they would have and they would come to us. Uh, mm. Yeah, but Good. as um, SMSMs and um, FMS, FM, yes. SMS, uh, you know, we'd get together, we'd invite them for a meal and they'd invite us for a meal. So, yeah, yes, yeah. No, it was a wonderful, even though we were on our different tasks and travel between mm. the places, especially in Bougainville earlier, was never easy. Um, we always looked on each other's places with great affection and mm. it was a great mm. partnership mm. over oh, many years. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of our SMSMs from the islands have come to us because of the brothers. The girls wanted to be Maris brothers. They wanted True. to be Maris brothers and they were directed to us and we've yeah. got some fine women as SMSM because of the good example of the Maris brothers. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, well, um, anything else now about your long year, 10 years in, in Solomon Islands before we wind up? No, it was great. And brother uh, Roger Burke, he was out there at Lamanasa and he and I were great friends and I just had a long 
um, email from him this morning and sent a long one back to him because we've remained friends. And uh, when we, the year after I left, they had 100 years since the SMSMs went to Solomons. And Roger Burke was the chairman of the committee that organised that. And he did a wonderful job working with Maureen Connor, mm. SMSM, who is um, a New Zealander. So, yeah, Roger has always been very interested in preserving history. Mm. Perhaps he's an old teacher of mine. Perhaps he is. Learned, he is an old teacher of yours. He told I me that. Yes, about preserving history. Yeah, history from, from, Roger. from Roger. Wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah, right. Yes. Just to um, say thank you very much for these conversations today. It's been a marvelous opportunity to uh, for both of us to recall those times. So. Many, many thanks, Margaret. And thank you, Laurie, for asking me. Good. Okay. Today's date is the 6th of June, 2021.